Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League. Powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. There are some episodes where the hockey gods are fully against us, like the last two, to to be particular. What was it? Lane Lambert got fired 25 minutes after we recorded the, the four weeks ago, and then two weeks ago, DJ Smith got fired. I think that was like the sequence, and something, then, like, something like that. And then uh, Patrick Roth. And then Patrick Waugh got hired. So it was, like, it was two or three in a row where like pretty important news came out immediately after we had stopped recording. Um... But today, I mean, this recording, literally like some of the biggest news that's come out probably in the last month, it all decided to come out, what, a day or two before we recorded. And we couldn't be more grateful because we were literally all we'd have to talk about was the All-Star game if a lot of these things didn't happen. I mean, we will talk about it, but some pretty big news. Yeah, Elias Limholm traded to the Vancouver Canucks by the Calgary Flames for Kuzmenko and a bunch of other things, including what? A first well, round pick? First and a fourth. First and a fourth. And then you tried to pr- you tried to practice I'm gonna the pronunciation try. before. H- Hunter Brutsowitz. And Yanni, Yanni Yerno? Apparently the, the second guy. Or Johnny? One of my buddies is a, is a big Canucks fan. He says that's their best prospect, I'm pretty sure. So it's a it's a pretty big Who, haul. Bruce Brutso? One of these two guys. Is, I, yeah, like, the other guy's kind of meh. Yeah. So, I mean, to give up... A 39-goal scorer, I mean, who I'll be at this year isn't getting a lot of minutes. Yeah. Their top prospect and a first-round pick means they must really, really like the fit of Elias Lindholm. Well, and to be honest, it's pretty hard not to like him. Can't blame them yeah. for liking that fit. I mean, the first thing that, like, when, I, when you texted me about the trade, the first thing that came to my mind is, like, this team is just, they're not messing around. Like, they... They think that they're a contender. I mean, they have real good reason to think that they are, but you know, this just goes out and, and I think proves it. They didn't wait until the deadline. Like They just got their business done a month month and a bit before. They're like, we know what we need. We know the guy that we want. We're just going to go get him. Simple the, as that. It's the best time to do it because the closer you get to the deadline, the more people ask for more and more money. Prices go up. I mean, granted, they paid a lot of money for him, but I, I think it was worth it for the for the fit. Like To be honest, this team has always been on the brinks of being good enough to be a contender. Patrick Alvin finally gets this team going in the right direction. And I think now's the time to pull the trigger. And you even said, I, I remember talking about the Canucks and I said they're amazing everywhere. And you brought up their only their only downside or, or their weakness was their, their lack of forward depth. And now you get yeah. an, a fringe first-line center, a phenomenal second-line center. And then you push whoever was, I think it was Teddy Bluger that was playing second-line center for him. Yeah, Bluger and Pius Suter. Yeah, so now you push him down the depth chart and all of a sudden your top six is arguably the best in the league. You have better forward depth. And yeah, it, now now they have what two selkie candidates, both from both from Sweden, coming down the middle. Like this team's gonna be hard to stop. They're, they're good. No, this team is, it's good. And I mean, like, and another thing was that because they got their business done early, you can say like, last episode, you and I, and I agreed, but you were like clamoring for the Avs to go out and get Lindholm. Now, now that's off the table. That's one of their biggest threats in the. In the West, who they like, if they make it to the conference finals, it's probably the Avs that they're gonna have to play because they're on opposite sides of that bracket. Yep. And they're like, they they by virtue of getting stronger, they weaken the Avs too. Yeah, pretty weird. Like we'll talk about it soon too. But I think the two biggest centers on the trade block are now off the trade market. And you thought Who's that was the first one. Well, oh yes, we now get we haven't gotten right? there. Yet, but we'll, yeah, we'll sorry. get there. And 
you thought the Avs were going to get one of them. And the fact that they went, you know, the Avs didn't do anything else is kind of weird to me. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the Monaghan part. But staying here, like, is this, is, where does this power play rank in the NHL now? It's, it's Lindholm, Miller, Hughes, Besser, Pedersen. Well, they were already up there, right? Top five, probably. Like, I don't know exactly where they were, but. I on, mean, on paper, talent wise, like, where do you yeah. have them? It's got to be top five. Yeah. Top three. I mean, you have, like, arguably the best defenseman this season and if and, and the top five generally in Quinn Hughes you have Pedersen who's a hundred point player JT Miller who's always really good and is on point on pace for like another hundred points Brock Besser's having the best season of his career and look like he can put up 40 to 50 this year he'll, like, he'll put up 40 yeah right he'll put up 40 and then you had Lindholm who I think he I'm pretty sure he plays what like the bumper position or in front of the net like he doesn't play one of the wings so he doesn't take a spot from um PD or or Besser, he just he just slots in perfectly. Like that's the only the only talent like talent wise that I can see is better than them on the power plays. Edmonton, Colorado, and the Leafs. Uh, I wouldn't even say the Leafs. I think I'd probably take this. Uh, it's tough. They're like they're probably equal. Equal. You can like have a debate, but they're top five both teams. I think. Yeah, I mean, you're taking you're 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 taking Matthews over Pedersen. You're taking yeah. Willie over Besser, but Hughes you're taking over over Mo. Yeah, no question. Sure. I I take Lindholm over Tavares this year, and then Miller. Who's the last guy on the least power play? Say Mitch or Willie? Which one did you I vote? Said, I already said Willie. So I mean, Miller or Mitch on the power play? I mean, they're both they're both different, good at yeah, different things. Di- different games, but the, they're comparable power plays, like you just said. Yeah, the Canucks special teams heavily upgraded after this trade especially because Lindholm's a phenomenal power uh, yeah. sorry a penalty killer as well yeah exactly pk is pretty average they're like middle of the pack at 80 percent yeah you add an elite penalty killer like in the playoffs that's huge getting a huge kill um we've seen how much it hurts the leafs like particularly like when they played tampa honestly in both series that they played them the power play smoked them and they it honestly took them out of some games and so for vancouver to upgrade their five on five play their power play and their penalty kill all in one shot that's hell of a trade yeah usually when you see trades with with this high of an asking price as a fan you're usually okay with it if number one the fit is great or like number two um it's you get the best player on the market and it looks Mm -hmm. like the the vancouver canucks did both of those in terms of the fit like we said they were missing forward depth their wingers are obviously generationally good but they lack defensive depth and that's why Pedersen is such so crucial to this team. Now you add another great defensive center. Um, not only that, the the Vancouver Canucks are known very well for having top end Swedish talent, and now they yeah, add an, they add another one. Right, the fit's going to be great. I'm pretty sure uh, Lindholm is already good friends with Petey. Um, yeah, the, the the fit is great, and who cares right. how, who cares how high the asking price is because this team is good enough to win now. So like, a lot of the times, I, trade deadlines like when. Lou traded for Horvat last year. This is kind of a comparable trade, mm-hmm. um, but like the Canucks are just on the other side of it. But a lot of times, these types of trades come with an extension. Yep. I think it was pretty well known that Elias Lindholm was asking for, for, for Calgary to give him an 8 by 9 or something in that range. Yeah. If you're Vancouver, are you comfortable committing to that if you want to resign him or do you see this as a pure rental for them no if you're i'm pretty sure if you're paying this high of a price for this type of guy you're full-on expecting to resign him like there's an expectation to resign here even in like the nba too very quickly like when when the pacers traded for siak and they gave up three first round picks 
the, hmm. the, the expectation there is you want to get this guy before he hits free agency. Part of the reason you pay such a high price is to get the ability to negotiate without him having leverage, right? Yeah. Uh, for them to give up a first-round pick, a 39-goal score, and their best prospect, you'd have to think there's an expectation to resign. Also, because this team has been on the brinks of being good every yeah. single year, you've probably bought yourself what would, like, they're going to sign Pedersen back. Hughes is here for, did he sign an eight-year deal? Regardless, longer. Re- regardless yeah. of what it was, this team has bought themselves like a nice five to six year window. You'd have to think they break the bank and try to get the back end of Lindholm's career and do something. Does it someone who's going to be 30 this year scare you? Uh, he's a December baby, so he's 29. And he's going to be 29 all year kind of thing. But I don't really think it scares me if you can get him on a six year deal. The issue is he's going to he he's going to want eight. I think the saving grace here is the Canucks really don't have a bad contract, less the Ty- Tyler Myers contract, who's had a bit of resurgence this year, and that contract is almost done. The mm-hmm. JT Miller contract actually isn't bad. The, I, I'm pretty sure Brock Besser's not signed for a lot of money. It was a, no, bri- it, so. it was a bridge deal. Pedersen's going to get the bank, but he's worth every penny. I mean, the fact that they don't have an awful contract means they can probably afford to go out and overpay on a guy that like fills a couple holes on your team. I'd mm-hmm. be fine with it. Yeah, I mean... The Leafs signed Tavares to seven years when he was the same age. And it's only until now, like the sixth or seventh year in that deal where he's really started to fall off and Lindholm's not getting 11 yep. and the cap's going to go up. So I think, yeah, when you're like, you, like, I think you made a good point. When you're in a situation like Vancouver's in where you haven't been good and you are good and now you have one of the better ones who punches in the league, I think, I think that's a fair claim to make that yep. they have one of the better, you know, first first and second line centers yeah you probably have to keep them for sure and especially because vancouver has a lot of like flashy top end talent and they really lack apart from pd because he's the full package like a gritty role player type of guy elias lindholm is that type of player who can get you 40 on a good year on a good year literally the perfect fit for this team patrick alvin did a great job yeah really good job but um i kind of want to i kind of want to test the waters of how good elias lindholm is in your eyes um, let's do a would you rather on Elias Lindholm here, just for the rest of the season. If you're if you're a team that is pushing for a cup run, are you do you rather have Elias Lindholm or these guys? Sure. Uh, number one, you took the words right out of my mouth in this prior segment. Um, Elias Lindholm or Bo Horvat? Wow, honestly, Bo Horvat surprised me that he was as good as he was last year and has continued to be that good this year. It's funny that the Canucks could probably use a guy like him before trading for Lindholm. I'm going to marginally take Bo Horvat just because I think he's been a better goal scorer this year on a team with arguably the same level of talent as the the Flames this year. He's kind of proved the haters wrong. He's had a pretty good first two years of that contract. Um, Okay, Elias Lindholm or Matt Barzell, Bo Horvat's teammate. Man, that's tough because they play different games. Is it... Islanders fans might start to love us again (laughs) because I want to take Barzell. I just think he's more dynamic and he's younger. And he's proving this year that he can be as productive as we thought he could be. So I'll marginally take Barzal here. Okay, I'll give you a bit of a layup here because those first two are hard. Elias Lindholm or Sebastian Aho? This That one is You like, don't think this is a layup? No, okay. it is a layup. But I think I'm going to, like, I don't hate Lindholm, but I just think these guys are better. I'll take Aho. Drink, he had a slow start to the year, but now he's popping off. He is like a younger and probably better version of Lindholm, in my opinion. I, I agree that the layup is taking okay. Sebastian Aho. Um, Elias Lindholm or Brad Marchand? Oh my God! <laughs> I think I got to take Brad. Oh How my God! No love for Elias. No, not yet. Um, I mean, Brad is Brad. He's captaining this Bruins team to first in the Atlantic again. He's known producer in the playoffs. I just don't know how I can't pick him, even though it pains me 
to pick them. Okay. Um, these these last two I thought were going to be the easiest ones, so Oof. this might be a full sweep for not Elias Lindholm, but we have different um, different preferences. Elias Lindholm or power play merchant Ryan Nugent Hopkins? You know, this might be the one that I give on, especially if I'm thinking playoffs. I know Nugent has been productive, but I think as a pure centerman, Lindholm is better. Nugent spent a lot of time on the wing, and he's mm. played with some incredible players, so I, I would actually take Lindholm here. Okay, fine. Uh, last one. Elias Lindholm, or for me personally, the most underrated player in the NHL, Rupe Hintz. Yeah, I mean, Rupe Hintz has been he's been on one of the best lines in hockey for the past few years. Yeah, mm-hmm. mar- like incredibly underrated. Um, again, no slander towards Lindholm, but Rupe Hintz is he's kind of that guy, and he doesn't get the credit for it. All right, let's hope Elias Lindholm doesn't follow you far on TikTok. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's gonna follow, then he's gonna put like 50 points up when this in the last 35 games and make us look like idiots but and, and we're kind of used to that anyway so and he'll reference us yeah he can't those were tough those i would you okay which ones do you disagree with i'm curious uh i'm taking rupe hints over elias yeah. i'm taking aho comfortably i'm taking and then for like honestly i'm taking Lindholm over barzell and horvat really I'd, and horvat yeah i'd probably Jeez. lean marshawn and nuge is a toss-up just because he can finish so well but i haven't seen him I haven't seen him on a power play with all the two best goal scorers in the exactly. league. Arguably, arguably, it's yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But on the bright side, um, I don't think Elias Lindholm can hate us any more than New York Rangers fans hate us. Yeah, you've you've been taking some heat. If you guys wanted to have a laugh, I posted a a TikTok on why um, the New York Rangers are poor defensively, and I mean you can go check it out and check the comment sections, but only the PG comments are left. I we had to <sighs> continuously delete some, albeit while laughing. Like we take those comments lightly, like we we the in one yeah. in one ear out the other. But some of them I can't even I can't no, even. They're repeat. not safe. Not safe for work. I can't even repeat here, but it's it's okay. We love it. Okay, like I know you've been you've been on this bandwagon for for a while that the Canucks are legit, but yeah. I want to ask you where you think they actually rank in the West with this addition because, you know. They're a very good team, and they're likely they're they're one of the teams that can win the President's Trophy. Like they have had an incredible regular season, mm-hmm. but in the playoffs, like are you taking them over the Knights, the Avs, the Oilers, Stars, Jets? Like where do you rank them in the elite of the West? Like in that group of six? Okay, I'm gonna forget all of these teams. So throw me with teams, and I'll tell you if I'm taking the Canucks over. Them. Okay, so are you gonna like? Do you think the Canucks are better than the Jets? Yes, the the Jets are a second round exit team. I don't care that they just got the most mid center on the trade market of all time, Sean Monahan. <laughs> the Canucks are far better than the Jets. Okay, um, what about the Stars? Uh, this one, this one is close. They mm-hmm. both have great top end talent. They're great defensively and great in net. I am marginally going to take the Canucks just because of the wagon that they're on. Um, yeah, and and they're rolling right now. Give me the Canucks. Cool. I'm all in on the Canucks. You are. Year. You are all in on the Canucks. So, do you think the Canucks are better than my cup pick, the Oilers? Yes, yes. The Oilers are a second-round exit. Every single year this happens, but it's the reverse. Every single year the Oilers start off 16-2, and two, and then they go on an absolute lull, and then they enter the playoffs, and you're like, I don't know if we're going to get the 16-0 and 0 Oilers or the 1-15 and 15 Oilers because I know the Canucks are incapable of losing five in a row terribly. I think it is a less variable pick. I'm going to take the Vancouver okay. Canucks. And then now these are the two monsters. Do you think the Canucks are better than the Avalanche? No, that that's the that's where I'll give that a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm taking the Avalanche to comfortably win the 2024 Stanley Cup. Yes, it's going to be the same run. They're not going to lose. They're not going. No team's going to take them to seven games. If this team goes out and gets even a third line center that they can play on the second line, the Avs are winning the Cup comfortably. Okay. I mean, like hard to argue with, yes. with that. 
But now, the, and let's not forget about the reigning cup champs who have they've been hurt like for the half of the year, so we forget about them. But are the Canucks better than the Knights? Can I can I just flip a coin here and say wherever it lands, I'm taking these no. teams are equal in my no. opinion. You have to pick one. If I have to pick one, I'm gonna just because of experience and size and strength and coaching, I'm gonna take the Knights. It's yeah. hard. It's hard not to take you know, a, a team led by that coach. I mean, but regardless, the, the Canucks are good enough to do it. Do not be surprised if you see a Stanley Cup game in Vancouver this year. Whoa. Yeah, and then they, they might win the President's Trophy too. I hope they don't because... The curse? Yeah, the curse, but I don't know. Are you taking... I mean, you're taking Edmonton. I take, I'll take i take Edmonton, the Avalanche, and the Knights over Vancouver, but in a seven-game series, I think I, I don't think it's like a... I'm not saying that all those three teams are like going to stomp all over and sweep the Canucks. I think I would just take them in a playoff series over seven games. But yeah. to be the fourth best team in the West, you have a chance to make the Cup final just because things happen in hockey, right? Like crazy things have happened. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like the Canucks are gritty, man. Like JT Miller's gritty. Tyler gritty. Myers is gritty. Susie is sneaky, gritty too. Besser can lay a hit. They got like a lot of these guys that we talked about that you want to pay. Because they both score and they both change the tone of the game when they're not scoring, right? Like yeah. they're not like a Ryan Reeves type player where they, you know, they ask him to change the tone of the game playing four shifts. Like Miller's playing twenty twenty five in the yeah. playoffs. Miller's one of the few guys, like probably one of the guys I really don't want to play against just because he's so strong and so good, and he like low key turns up yeah. when it matters. He's a, he's a snap show yeah. too. Like if you get him angry, he will be angry, yeah. um, and you'll probably want to take your head off. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny though because. I think if you would have asked me this question, where do I rank the Canucks before this trade? I probably would have still had them at fourth. Yeah. I, which which doesn't mean they didn't improve, but it just means that I think the teams at the top of the West are that good. Yeah, I agree. And it also, it kind of shores up their floor, in my opinion, because one of these big guys goes down. Now you know you know you still have some depth. Mm-hmm. Um, if Petey went down this and now until Post. the end of the season, you would think this team's a wildcard team. Now with Lindholm, they could still, you know, they could still scrape a division spot. I think, yeah, I think they're a lock to be a division team at this point because the Kings, who we'll get to later, are like absolutely. Can I say dog water? I wanted to say dog water. I think dog water is a PG term. <laughs> it's just so funny to say free, that. Free, you're freer than freer than a, than a public restroom. <laughs> that was the one. That was like peak 2020 Call of Duty times. Yeah. We're gonna take a brief minute to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Crane Apparel. Brought to life in 2016, Crane Apparel is a local Toronto clothing brand which aims to represent long life, good fortune, love, and luck through all of their premium pieces. Built upon their mission of instilling honorable virtues and creating a positive culture, Crane Apparel's simple yet high quality clothing ensure that you feel both confident and fly while sporting their apparel. From graphic tees, tracksuits, and handcrafted varsity jackets to trucker hats and high quality chains, Crane Apparel has everything to support your fashion needs. To get your merch and stay up to date with new drops, check out Crane Apparel on Instagram or visit their website at thecraneapparel.com. Inspire, motivate, create. Stay fly and join the Crane family today. Before you move on, do we okay. want to talk about Kuzmenko a little bit? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. We can, that's a good uh, segue. Did you have anything else to say about the Canucks? No. Okay. I, actually, yeah. One one thing is that what's his name? Well, Jim Rutherford went on the like, Toronto radio on um, Thursday. I think it was like oh, the day yes. of the draft. I heard about this. And so he, the first thing they did was he teased the trade. He was like, "Yeah, you know, we have something in the works. Maybe before the the 
the All-Star game and then literally half an hour later they pulled they 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 pulled the trigger on this deal. But another thing that he said was that Rick Tockett wanted these types of players so I went out and got them. Okay. It's pretty I feel like it's quite rare for NHL GMs to come out in public and say that for whatever reason. But also like I feel like the, especially in Toronto we've seen it where Dubis and like Babcock when he was here had very different perspectives and Dubas was getting guys he wanted and then Babs was, was sitting them or not playing them on the on like the you know area in the lineup where they would have belonged and there was obviously friction there that led to some you know not ideal roster setup construction mm-hmm. but th- this team seems to be from top to bottom in sync and it's showing on the ice but I, I just thought it was interesting that he said that because NHL coaches get fired every year now no, I, this is one of the reasons I'm so high on the Canucks. Like, they're a well-oiled machine. There's chemistry from them, you know, at, from the top to the very guys, like, putting the equipment on the ice. Like, this team is looks like they're in it together. And one of the reasons, like, I don't understand why this doesn't happen more often. You mm-hmm. see, like, I agree. You see this all the time. Um, GMs have a different idea of how the roster should be constructed. They go out and get a guy. But, like, at the end of the day who plays and who plays where is up to the coach, yeah. right? And a lot of the times, you're right, you would see it with Babcock where he'd go out and get a guy and the guy would get eight minutes and would yeah. get benched. I don't know why, if you're going to spend this level of assets yeah. on, a, on a team that is already all in, bring the coach in and say, who do you want me to get? And I'll go get him. And yeah. the fact that they did it not only shows the team that everyone's bought in, it shows Elias Lindholm he's wanted. And mm-hmm. you know that you're giving up assets for a guy that's going to p- get you what? It's 19 to 23 minutes a night, like for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's an important role. Like the the one that sticks out to me the most was when Dubis went and got Jake Muzzin, and literally the first words out of Babcock's mouth was he doesn't shoot right. Like you got a gold medalist, yeah. like one of the best stay at home defense in the league, and you still weren't pleased. I think that's like a very extreme example of Babcock just being Babcock. But yeah, in an ideal world, you have a coach and a GM who are on the same page, and you build a, a roster that's suited to the game you want to play. And they've done that exactly. Like, it's not rocket science, but not a lot of teams do it well. I'm sure that's not the primary reason Mike Babcock is not coaching, but I well, think his, his stubbornness might have added to the fact that he doesn't have a job. Very stubborn. Yeah. And no one wants to deal with that crap, especially when you just don't seem like a decent person, but we don't have to go down that path. Yeah. Mike Babcock might be the most overrated coach of all time. I'm sorry. Very quickly, he won. he's won gold medals with teams I could won gold medals coaching, just rolling all four lines. Like, give me a break. And he's won, what, one cup? Yeah, I think, yeah, he won one cup with... That, I, I remember that when, Detroit team. I remember when Babcock came to the Leafs, he was supposed to be the saving grace that would have brought us to a cup. Didn't do anything. Like, give me a break. This guy wins a gold medal coaching the best team I have ever seen in my life. Realistically, if you coach that team, do you think you can get them to the knockout round? I sure hope so. Yeah, like, you just I don't roll. have to say a word. I'd let Sidney Crosby coach them. Which is probably what happened. Yeah. So stop telling me because he's won a gold, he's one of the best coaches of all time. He's just not. Yeah, no, I agree. We don't have to, we don't have to slander him too hard, but... Um, like, like I think talking about Kuzmenko in this sort of conversation is helpful because I think in an ideal world, Jim Rutherford would want Kuzmenko scoring 39 goals on his first line and his first PP. But he was like, okay, Taka doesn't want him, so let's use him as let's use him as a trade chip and go out and get a guy that he wants. And that's exactly what they did. I agree. Very rarely do you see a 39 goal scorer who gets signed to a new deal get scratched in the following yep. year and then get traded at the deadline. Like usually when a team is all in, they give up a bunch of assets and don't want to lose roster players. But I mean, this is a weird case because you wouldn't even count this guy as a roster player because no. he was getting no minutes, which is 
I don't know if like the fall off is attributable to Kuzmenko's slow start or Tockett's like I don't know the word for it, but he just didn't give him a lot of rope when he wasn't playing yeah. well. Didn't like his play style, but that's weird to me because he scored thirty nine under Tockett last year, right? Well, a bit yeah, Tockett was there towards the end, but yeah, he was there. Um, it, 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 but it was if you have a five million dollar player who's not contributing in your top six, like at that point he's a bit of a li- like a salary cap liability for sure. So they it was basically I think Linton makes what six ish, so it's basically like money in money out minus a million. And you free so. up some cap space if you want to sign Linholm back. Yeah, I mean you'd, you'd expect Kuzmenko to come back to form here. He's going to be line one PP one. I think they have him slotted with Kadri and Huberto mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You got to expect him to at least. Get, I'm not saying he's going to get back to a forty goal pace, but if you're a fantasy player, pick this guy up because there's a lot. Yeah, of... Why do you say that? Well, I don't know. You did it. There might have been. You a, did. There might have been an astute fantasy player in your league that picked him up. Yeah, okay. A minute after. The, the... It really hurts because he he was on my team at the beginning of the year and I dropped him. He's going to get a lot, a lot of rope and a lot of playing time on that team because there's no one else to play on that first line. And even if he gets slotted down, he's going to be on that first line power play for the rest of the year. They probably see a guy who's had a bad year and say, like, you know what, let's just give him all the time that he needs to come back to form. And this might be, this is a good leeway into, sorry, a good segue into the next segment because this could be a very good, like, opportunity for Craig Conroy to have some good asset management here next year. Um, he's on term, right, Kuzmenko? I don't know. I'm pretty, look, sure, I'm pretty sure he's on some term. But if this guy has a great year, you have the opportunity yeah. to flip him at the deadline next year for a first-round pick. Like, if this guy scores, is on pace to score 30-35, which we know he's capable of, so many teams will be knocking at the door for a guy with a $5 million cap hit, One right? One more year he's got. Right? So yeah. it'd be a perfect rental opportunity on a low cap hit. This is These are very low-risk, high-reward deals that GMs on teams that don't expect to contend make. I thought it was a great deal to get a great job by Craig Conroy to get him in the deal. You're basically getting another first round pick. Yeah, if if he pops off, he, which he'll, he'll which, come back. Yeah, he's not going to be a fourth liner, and and I mean th- this Flames team. I don't think they're really trying to make the playoffs anymore. Obviously, after you make this trade, but I mean, all we, all the Flames fans and everyone's been crying out for was to get Huberdo a pure goal scorer, and then Kuzmenko is that he just he stands is. in front of the net and gets rebounds. Like he doesn't do it the fancy way, but he scores. When you score forty goals, so, you're a pure goal scorer. Yeah, and so hopefully they can both kind of pop off together. That would be an ideal situation. Agreed. Um, but I mean, as far as like the Flames are concerned with the rest of this trade, I think it was just inevitable that they were going to trade him. Contract talks were going nowhere. Like I said, he was asking for, I think, $9 million at some point, which if you're the Flames and you already have a bunch of not-so-great contracts, if you want to put it lightly, you're not going to sign another agent guy to a $9 million deal, so they were forced into a trade. They get a first, a fourth, and then this prospect is, oh my God, I'm going to say it again. Oh my God, Brutsowitz. That's I'm not. That's the last time I say it. It's better than I would um, have said it. He's a 19-year-old in the OHL. He's got he's a 19-year-old right shot defenseman. I should add. He's got 69 points, nice in 47 games. Like he's he's good. Um, I know yeah. OHL and he's like 19, so he's a little bit older, but they gave up a lot. Yeah, those numbers are nothing to sniff at, especially as a right-hander who, you know, NHL GMs love a right-handed defenseman. No, yeah, I mean. If if you look at this trade, it's very easy to to come to the conclusion that Vancouver overpaid, but the the fit is perfect, mm-hmm. and they got out, they went out and addressed the need, and especially when you like look the last year the Canucks missed the playoffs, right? Now they're they're in a, they're tied for the Presidents Trophy yeah. lead. Like go all in, this team is humming. I like the deal for both sides. Me too. 
Now, before we move on to the Monaghan trade, I think this is something that people actually don't care about as much anymore, but it used to be a thing. What do you think about trading within your division? Do you think it's stupid? Do you think they shouldn't do it? I never really understood that. For me, trading within your division is equivalent to trading within your conference just because the odds are you're going to play a wildcard team that comes from the other division in your conference. So whether I trade to a team that is in my division or in another division in my conference, I'm still making a team better that I'm going to have to beat before getting to the Stanley Cup. I really don't understand that. And I think it's equivalent also to just trading to another contender. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. you're going to have to beat all these teams. What does it matter? Yeah, and I don't... I think even, like, just from a pure rivalry standpoint, you don't want to strengthen a rival, but, like, who cares? You're bad. You're trying to sell off if you're if this is the team that's giving you the best value for your player you go ahead and you make that deal and they already did it this year they traded Zadorov there already like this team has been swapping rosters basically for a long time um yeah you give the team you you get the team to trade with that gives you the best offer and then plus do you remember a few years ago when um Monaghan uh, Monaghan sorry Mike Hoffman was on the, the Senators and they didn't want to trade within their division they traded him to San Jose, who literally immediately traded him to Florida. Like, it still ended up getting there. So just make the best deal possible. Yeah, like, as a GM, you're, you're there to strengthen your team as best as you can. Like, it, yeah. does, it, does, it doesn't matter who you trade them to. I, I, agree. I like, agree. That's a dumb argument. Okay. Um, the next one is the Monaghan trade. Um, I know your thoughts on this already, but let me just outline the trade before you You can, you can start by talking off. about it, too. Go. I think, we have, I think we share the same opinion, to be honest. But um, Winnipeg gets Monaghan for a 2024 first and a conditional third. I think the condition on it is if they win the cup. Okay. Uh, it becomes a second maybe. Okay, so it's going to be but a third. Okay. <laughs> 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 I mean, like, I, I actually don't even want to start with the Jets side. I want to just talk about the Habs side of this for a little bit because, I mean, you talk about asset management with Kuzmenko. Ken Hughes had perfect asset management with Monaghan. They yep. basically got two firsts for a player who didn't even play a full season for them. Yeah. Like he got hurt early in la- early in the season last year, and then missed the entire rest of the season, and then this season played over just ha- just half a season, and they're like, okay, we'll trade you for a first. They're paying him two million dollars. Like I th- I'm pretty sure every single GM in the world would pay two million dollars for a first round pick. Absolutely, it's yeah. No, they they did a really good job. Um, I guess kudos for him to him for staying healthy and being productive despite all the injuries. But I mean, Montreal did exactly what they needed to do. Great work by Kent Hughes, but. Now the hard part continues because you, you tore it down. That's easy. You, anybody could trade guys for first-round picks, but now you need to build a good team because Montreal's been waiting, and they don't have a superstar yet, in my opinion. No, I mean, I think in everyone's opinion, they yeah. don't have a superstar. They have a lot of potential guys like Reinbacher, Slavkovsky that can pop off. I'm pretty sure they have. Caulfield, too. Caulfield put as in well. that conversation. They have four first-round picks in the next two years, like I said, Oof. a bunch of prospects. You got to give the Habs their flowers here because nothing's gone right for them lately, but you're right. They've done a good job of tearing it down. Yeah. Historically, they're a very poor drafting team. They got kind of unlucky getting the first overall pick in like the worst draft I've seen yeah. in a while, but I mean, yeah, that this 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 is definitely an A-plus move for yeah. Hughes. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, okay, now the Jets. I'll let you talk about the Jets here. Well, this is, this is just like one of the trades of all time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Sean Monaghan is just a prototypical Winnipeg Jets player right now. He's a guy that's, you know, he's big, he's slow, he's <laughs> having a good year, he's not flashy whatsoever, and he's the best addition to a team that wants to not get eliminated in the first round and instead wants to go to the second round. And 
have their ceiling there. Like, there's just nobody on the Winnipeg Jets that's a game breaker to me, other than Mark Shifley. And he has a poor ability to stay healthy this year and in his career. He also has a track record of getting suspended at very important times in the mm-hmm. playoffs. And like, I'm sorry. There's if if Mark Shifley gets hurt or if he if, if he gets cold for a little bit, who on this team is stepping up and scoring? If there was something Shevel Dayoff should have done at the deadline is to go out and get like a primary score. I guess Kyle Connor is that guy too, but he is. I just I don't know. Like, doesn't this team just scream mid to you? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to call them mid when they're they've been as good as they it are. Is. But I I do think that. I think this was the place to add. I just don't know if this was the guy to add just because, like you said, Monaghan is not the best. He's slow. He's aging-ish. He's like, he's not old, but he he feels old because he's been hurt his entire career. Like, that's why the Flames traded him or dumped him and a first in the first place was because they wouldn't, they needed to get an injury-prone, overpaid guy off their roster. Yep. Um, he got hurt last season. He's just managed to stay healthy this season. And, like, God forbid he goes and within the first 10 games in Winnipeg, he gets hurt. Like that, And that's that's a possibility because of his track record. I just think a first and a third for a guy who can get hurt at any moment and honestly who doesn't drive play and is just a power play merchant yeah. is a big risk. It's, it's, it's a huge risk. And, and I'm sorry, even with Sean Monaghan coming to the Jets right now, if I can name five teams that I comfortably think can beat the Jets in the West in a seven-game series, this team is not a contender and should not have gone out and given first-round picks for a guy like this. Or better, or just get a better player for your, with your first-round pick. A hundred percent sure. Like, are the Colorado Avalanche objectively better than the Jets? Yes. Are the Canucks better than the Jets? Uh, I think so. Edmonton? Yeah, I think so. Um, Vegas? Yeah. And then the Stars? That one's the closest one, but still, yes. Yeah. Like, just how how is this team gonna get out of their own conference and then have to go play like a Carolina or like a New Jersey or a Boston? It's just they're they're not good enough. They're good enough to upset one of these teams, but to consecutively beat four of them, I'm sorry, it's not gonna happen. And Sean Monahan doesn't move the needle enough to beat a team like Vancouver for me. Yeah, I I think the like, the way the Jets are gonna win is they're gonna lean on defensive hockey and they're gonna lean on having the best goalie in the league, I think, safe to say this season. Yep. You know, we've seen goalies carry teams to Stanley Cups before or Stanley Cup finals or conference finals. Um, it's not like they're trash up front. Like, they're still quite deep. They just don't have, a, like, a top 15, 20 player. They have maybe have a top 20 player, but not a top 15 player. Kyle Connors their best yeah. forward, I think, right? I and agree. He, he's, a, he's a threat. He's an outside threat to win the Richard every year. Can't really stay healthy. Poor defensively, but... You know, give the guys credit. He can score on his own. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just, yeah, just the issue. They're not deep enough. They're not good enough. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't want to be a Winnipeg Jets hater. I know I've slandered the Jets as a joke a lot <laughs> of the times over over the tenure of this podcast, but they're just not good enough. And I'm sorry. And it always seems like this team is a five-game losing streak away from imploding internally. And Yeah, I definitely think they're like they're deep. I think like now that Lowry's bumped down, like they have Niederreiter and Appleton on their third oh, line, which is a pretty gosh. good third line. Like it's, it's a, a good third line. Good third lines don't win you. Cups. No, I, I'm not saying that it does. I'm just saying that they have the depth. I don't. Yeah, but I agree with you when they when I when you say that they don't have the top end talent to compete with the other teams. I think that's a very reasonable take. Yep. Um, and they have a trash power play. Who like, <laughs> at the very least, the Sean Monahan's going to help you somewhere. He'll help you there. Like they're they're twenty fourth right now. They have a fifteen point six percent power play. That's remarkably bad. Um, so at yeah. least to help them there. And I don't I don't know. It just seems like every single trade deadline, there's an extremely overhyped guy at the deadline. Yeah, that this was him. Y- the, the, 
that you that a guy that a team overpays for because there's no one else to get and you feel the need. Sorry if I'm rambling, but you like you feel the need to go out and get a guy. Last year it was Ryan O'Reilly. Like I'll say it first, Ryan O'Reilly was past his prime last year, but at least you added him to a team with a lot of top end talent, right? Like the Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs last year needed grip, but I'm sorry, I thought Ryan O'Reilly was an objectively overhyped guy at the deadline. This year it's Sean Monahan. A few years ago, I can't remember who it is, but there's always a guy like this. Like mm-hmm. Sean Monahan. What, what would he make on the free agency market right now if he wanted five years term, four years term? Um, coming off the season he's having now, like four million. I would say I was going to say like between five and six at most. So maybe four. Are yeah. we really thinking a four to six million dollar player is moving the needle for a team like the Jets to beat the, the Avalanche? Like, no, he's just he's overhyped because he's having a good year in a big market. That's all it is. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, played for Montreal. Like if this guy was playing in. Nashville, I don't know if he would cost you that much, but it, that the stuff does matter. For you know, maybe gyms should be aware of that, or they probably are, but they're still willing to to pay the money. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's a great trade, and you you alluded to it. Like Vancouver goes out and gets Lindholm. Like I think you there's not a it's not a coincidence that they made this trade days later. Quickly. Like it was a bit of a knee jerk reaction, and Montreal had leverage. They used it, and hopefully it pays off for the Jets. But I don't know if it will. We're just going to take a brief minute to shout out the sponsor of today's episode, SeatGeek. Looking to enjoy a night out with some friends watching a sports game, concert, comedy show, or music festival? Hit up SeatGeek, an app that helps you find tickets in the cheapest and simplest possible way. By visiting their site, you can see events happening near you, and within one click can instantly get access to tickets at the cheapest possible price. With SeatGeek's price grading system, you can instantly find out whether you're getting a bargain on the tickets you buy. At checkout, be sure to enter code UFRPOD to get $20 off your first purchase. Visit SeatGeek today and revolutionize the way you buy tickets. The next bit, do you want to get you want to like go through all the news and then talk about like Best on best hockey in all stars, or do you want to? Sure. What other news is there? Just McClellan. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's rip it off. Yeah. Um. I mean, this seemed sort of inevitable. Like, Tom McClellan's a great coach, but if you win three of your last seventeen games, something's got to give. It's that bad. It's that bad. Well, they started off what like fourteen and zero on the road. You're they right. were incredible. They were. They were. Le- I think they were leading the Pacific for a bit until they just literally fall off a, fell off a cliff well i didn't know it was that bad yeah they they're they're so bad um and i don't i think they hired an interim i don't know what they're gonna do but like i don't even, i have to check where they are in the standings they're, but i don't even know if they're in they're, a playoff hunt they're anymore fourth in the atlantic they're scraping a wild card spot right now yeah. sorry in the pacific apologies they're 23 15 and 10 and when i first looked at it i went ah that's honestly not a terrible record for a team but, that this is where i think they should be but now that you bring, I forgot how good they were to start. So it seems like this front office is going. We need to we need to cut our losses quickly before this team is out of a playoff spot. At yeah. least now, you know, they're a five game win streak of being away from being back in it. Yeah. I kind of like now. Now that you think about it, I kind of like this move, and it kind of seems like McLennan was starting to lose the room. Like, did you see those For comments sure. Drew Doughty made? Yeah, he was pissed. Yeah, and when you look at the, uh, I was about to say the Vaughn Kings. When you look at the hmm. L.A. Kings, they are good enough on paper, I think, to beat some contending teams. Like, I'm taking the L.A. Kings on paper o- over the Winnipeg Jets. Like, again, not to slander the okay. Jets, but they have better top end talent and they're good defensively. They're just they're really bad in net. But 
The LA Kings are not they're, a bad team. The thing is, though, like they're bad in net, but that's not the reason that they're uh, they're yeah. losing. Like they okay, I have it here. They started the season, so this is before the the turn of the new year, like before December twenty eighth. They were twenty seven and four. That was second in the NHL. <laughs> oh my god! Since then, they are two eight and six. Wow! So that's a they've won they won two of those four of those fourteen games. Can I do math? Yep, I think. Yeah. Say that no. again. Two, eight, and six. Two, eight, and six, yes. What's that add up to? Two plus eight is ten, and six so is two sixteen. Two of their last sixteen, I think, and then I think now it's two of their, three of their last seventeen. But after like they, that's second, that's remarkably that's second worst in the league. Well, Somebody else is worse. Thank God you don't have to do math in but, school. <laughs> but they suck. They've literally been the worst team in the league because Chicago doesn't count. That's definitely who that thirty second team is. Yeah. Um, but their goaltending hasn't even been that bad. Like their goaltending's been at eight ninety two in that span. It's bad. It's not it's terrible. bad, but like they've just been one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Like this graphic that I'm looking at from the Athletic has their defensive stats before the twenty before the new year and then after the new year. They went from first and second pretty much in every defensive category to bottom 10 in every defensive category yeah i wonder if there's like a guy that should have been playing second line center got bumped down to third line center that's awful two-way and then maybe Ooh. cost mcclennan his contract who are you talking about pierre luc dubois this the oh pierre luc dubois is well, the been bad the coach. whole year yeah i mean but having now, him would have helped they're starting to be exposed like this team this team should be better like kempe can oh score on his own kopitar still very serviceable quinton byfield's having a great year we know how good fiala is um, I'm missing guys like PLD should be good. He should be the second line center. I'm, I'm missing a big Dano. They have Dano. I think Trevor Moore is having a Trevor good Moore's year. Trevor Moore was having a great year. Arvidsson, I think, is still there. Even with 892 goaltending, they shouldn't be 227 and one. No. Like you said, whatever it is, no. like, I, I, rip the bandaid off now. Give this chance, this team, still a chance to yeah. win because they're good enough to win a round. There they are. Yeah, like the fact that they're still in the playoffs after going two eight and six in their last 16 is is remarkable. It shows how good they started. Yep. But yeah, you, if you still have a chance to to be a playoff team and to maybe upset a team if you get hot, I think this was the change you needed to make. The only problem is they're losing a great coach for something that probably wasn't his fault, and they're going to give him to another team because another team's going to scoop him up immediately. Yeah, I mean, it, it it doesn't matter in my opinion. There yeah. are a lot of, a lot of times teams that are great on paper and are just down in the dumps. They need a quick switch up. I mean, Knobloch is the perfect. Yeah, exactly. Team, right? I mean, th- this this team is a coach away from, or just good vibes away from, you know, going on a heater. I wonder who they go out and hire. Like, do you think they go out and hire a Gallant or somebody who's waiting in the wings, or do you think they go out and get like some more unknown guy like a Knobloch? Like, there's been no, I don't think there's been any news about who they're looking for. I'm just wondering, like, what 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 do you think this team needs? Yeah, I I, I that's a good question. I don't know because they're not they're not bad anywhere. I mean. They've just been bad. Like, what do they need? Do they need, like, good vibes? Do they need yeah. a shift in their tactics? Do they need roster reconstruction in terms of, like, just shuffling the lines up and seeing what works? Or a bit of everything, probably? I would say maybe, like, a younger coach who can, like, uplift the room a little bit and let these guys okay. play. It always looked like Todd McLennan in his tenure as, for whatever. He's a bit of a hard ass. Career. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't know the nice way to say that, but it seems like it's my way or the highway. You get a young guy in there who lets these guys play. Who knows? Maybe they catch fire. Yeah, it could be. Um, McClellan, maybe McClellan. a goalie would help, but that, that's not their big problem, like I mentioned. But having a goalie would help you. McClellan's at the Leafs if Sheldon Keefe keeps, Oof. you know. That, but that means that the Leafs like losing the first round <laughs> again. So it's 
Yeah. I would like to have him. Sure, I think he'd be a good fit. But in order to get him, it means we need to be disappointed again in April. And no. I, and I just don't want that. No, we won't. We'll have our expectations met. We won't get into this again. The Leafs are a first-round exit this year. Yeah. Funnily enough, there's really been no news for no. the Leafs. Like, because they're mid. Because they're they're mid. I mean, they went on a... If we do want to talk about the Leafs, like they went, they they were four and two in that really what oh, we thought was going to be a wow. really tough four and two. Okay, but going into that road trip, they had lost four in a row. Like they deserve some credit. <laughs> plan, plan the parade and all four teams. I'm not saying plan two. the parade. I'm saying that they they Stink. stepped it up a little bit. Yeah, they they did, but it's hard it's hard to step down from an zero and four stretch. Yeah, I mean, they beat the Jets twice. Those are two impressive wins. With, I thought without Shifley and Morrissey yeah, and Mo- Hellebuck and Shifley, one of those. The first yeah. game, they were missing all three of those guys. Yes. And then the second game, Morrissey and Hellebuck were back. Yeah. But no Shifley. No Shifley, but... A win's a win. you got to beat the team there. Yeah. It's still a good team. Yeah, a win's a win. I'm ha- I'm, I was happy with their performance. I don't think they're going to win the cup all of a sudden, but like I think it's better than losing six straight. That's fair. Right. Um, I mean, nothing else, much else to add on the Kings. Like They just have to find a way to turn it around because they're still in a playoff spot. They'll probably get batted by the Avs and the Knights as is right now, but... If you get hot, you never know. Like yeah. We've seen eight seeds do it. They've done it as an eight seed. I'm not saying they're going to win because that team was ridiculous. The team was different. This team is not that ridiculous. But if you have a shot, you got to try, and that's what they're doing. Who was the coach of that team? It was Sutter, Daryl right? Sutter, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, okay, let's quickly rip the All-Star game off so we can talk about the topic I have been the most excited to talk okay. about in two years. I mean, the All-Star game was like kind of always a mixed bag. The NHL, they tried a couple of new things this year. I think one landed and one didn't. The one that didn't land was the draft. I mean, it was just I wanted to gouge my eyes out. It was it was good intentions. Like yeah. all of all of the funniest moments in the past from the All Star game are guys getting drafted last and people like making fun of people at the draft. They yeah. took away that last draft pick this Which I thought year. was stupid. And and we've talked about this off air. I'll let you talk about it. There should have been some kind of rule to not let captains pick their own players because now it just seems like everybody picked their own guys, and I'm watching the same teams play in the All Star yes. game. No, it's exactly what it is. I and like hockey guys are like the most, not politically correct, but the most like cautious in terms of how they not politically. They are they're, not the most politically no, correct, but they're like, in terms of how they present themselves, they're always trying to do the thi- whatever they can to avoid any noise or any controversy. So obviously they were gonna pick their guys. Yeah. Like the NHL should have known that that's the way that these guys operate. They don't make any noise in the press intentionally. They don't. They're media trained. They're not. They're trying not to be controversial. So obviously they're all gonna pick their guys. Like you said, if you had a rule, you said you can't pick your teammate and you can't trade for your teammate. We would have seen Matthews playing with like Pasternak, Drysital, so cool. and maybe like Pedersen on one team. Like, how fun would that be? Yeah, it would. It would be. It would make the All Star game so much more interesting because if you get these teams playing against each other, one game you might have like the Hughes brothers playing against yeah. each other. You might have Pedersen versus Hughes. You might get Matthews versus Mitch and Willie. You might get McKinnon versus McCarr. You might get McDavid versus Drysital, and create all this controversy about like, oh, you know, Drysital without McDavid. Look how look how good or bad he is. It would. It would have made it way better. Yeah, more watchable. Like I would have been excited to see that happen. I I really just don't care about watching. We're going to watch it because we're going to watch it, but I don't have like, yeah, like every, I'm not excited for it. Everyone loves watching best on best with incentives. Like that's why we're so excited for the Olympics, which we'll talk about soon. You want to talk about an incentive for best on best. How about Connor McDavid playing against arguably the second best player in the world. Who's been his teammate for so long. He doesn't want bragging rights. Come back to the locker room and say, hey, Leon, like take that. I just kicked yeah. your butt. Like those are some incentives. We know hockey guys are so competitive with each other. Imagine seeing like a McKinnon versus Crosby. Like you don't think there's bragging rights there. And These, yeah, they're both freaks and yeah. competitive wise. Yeah. It, it would have made the all-star game so cool to watch, but it seems like I'm about to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs play the Edmonton Oilers in the 
the Vancouver Canucks yeah. plus the Hughes brothers today. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Especially that that team. It's like literally the Canucks plus Bjorkstrand or whatever it is. Yeah, like you, you, kind you, of boring. You you even mentioned the, the the good adjustment they made was in the skills competition. And one of the reasons why the adjustment was so good is because you could tell these guys were they were trying they were and they were trying. playing for something because there was a million dollars on the line. Like that's a lot of money for for these even for these guys. Even for Connor McDavid, yeah. he, that's like a twelfth of his contract. Like that's a non-trivial amount of money for a lot of these guys. That, I'm sure the average salary at this All Star game was like seven million. But still, you wouldn't want a seventh of your contract and one ton of money, right? Like these guys were playing. You could even see when they were playing um, the breakaway challenges. Like these guys wanted it. They were moving their feet. They were gassed by the end of that shift. I just think there was such an opportunity to translate it to the All-Star game that we missed here. And we missed out on something big because this could have been like one of the best All-Star games in a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if any All-Star game will ever reach the intensity of the skills competition, but you could have made it more more enticing or more memorable by having teammates play against each other and not like literally the Leafs versus the the Canucks, like you said. And I don't know the draft. The draft. That's one reason the draft was not enjoyable. I also just think that it's really difficult to listen to NHL players talk out loud sometimes. Yeah, because they're so robotically yeah. politically correct. Like, and it was like we're taking Mitch Marner. No, no, it's like this. It We're like, uh, going to stay yeah. there and take uh, Mitch. Uh, yeah, and there's no, like, tone fluctuations in their tone. Like, it was, it was like, they were literally... And you have the Hughes brothers who both, like, they talk like this, and it's like, we're going to take Pedersen. It's like, tough. Bro. And they all have the same cadence and intonation. It's like, yeah, but, like, we're going to take these guys They didn't even talk today. like hockey bros. It was just, like, str- they, were, they were just straight robots. It, it, it was, it's it was t- tough. It's tough to listen it's to. It's not engaging. That's one of the good things about the NBA. Like, the NBA has personality. Like, these guys yeah. can talk to the media. They're funny. Like, you listen yeah. to, like, Kevin Durant or James Harden or LeBron James talk to the media. There's some, like, spice there. It's fiery. Like, there's competition. You listen to Austin and Matthews talk to like I don't know Scott Oak you want to rip your ears off yeah and we love Matthews yeah he's not the most engaging when he gets in front of a microphone and he's probably the most engaging guy in the Leafs yes. which says a lot that's what I was going to say I'm not even slandering Matthews he's probably the most engaging guy yeah. at the all-star game and he was still bad yeah now they, they need to I don't know what they need to do I don't think you can fix that like it's just a culture thing but that's where I think the draft really struggles to to gain attention. And when you add on this stupid thing where they're taking their own guys, like you stopped watching, didn't you? It was it was tough. Yeah. I watched the first ten minutes and I, I just I yeah. couldn't do it anymore. I I kept watching just to see what would happen, but it it was like my eyes were glazing over, and it was really not enjoyable at all. If there were no no like top end players who play together that are on the same team, I would have been glued to the TV today. Like good glued. I yeah. would have loved to see Willie and Willie versus Mitch or like Willie and, and Matthews versus Mitch or like McKinnon Crosby. It would, like it would have been fun to watch. And now it's just like, ah, oh, whatever. Uh, it's going to be, it's always a pleasure skate, but like you've guaranteed that it's going to be that when you had the option to have it not be that to some degree. I agree. But this is a step in the right direction. Yeah. The, the skills competition 100%. was good. The skills competition is usually the hardest thing to watch. And it was fun this year. Yeah, I agree. Especially was, like they they paid goalies a hundred a hundred grand, was cool. right? They like, were trying. They were trying. It was cool, and it was also cool to get guys to pick the goalie. It added That's some so fire. Spicy. It's it's tough. Like you could tell some guys like 
copped out a little bit, like yeah. like Nylander when he picked Talbot. He's like, guys, ah, right in front of me. That's the only reason I'm taking him. Yeah, doesn't want to cause problems. Mm. But then there were guys like Miller who like kind of called Sway out. Did you see that? I I was honest. I was driving home when that was happening, so I, I couldn't watch he it. He picked but. he picked Sway and the and I think it was Weeks. It might have been Weeks. He asked him what why Swayman. He's like, it's the only guy I can score against. I got his number. And Ooh, it was cool. It was cool to yeah, watch. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. And Miller's the type of guy to do that because he actually doesn't care what people think. Sick. But a lot of these other guys, they would never like do that. And you're telling me Willie didn't want to pick Tabby because he's rocking an 860 in the last <laughs> 10 games? Like, <laughs> and that must up, have been a reason. He ended up winning that part. Too. Yeah. yeah. So if he would have just said it, like, Tabby's been asked the past three months, oh, I, I would have been like, yeah, this so is crazy. Funny. I want Tabby because he can't stop a beach ball. It's yeah. so funny. It would have been so good. But they just never do that. But kind of sucks. Will Talbot was the first guy to get picked, got lit up, and his kid was cheering him on from the bench. Really? Was he there? <laughs> so sad. That's it's, tough. It's like, it's like four or five-year-old boy who like wanted to see his dad shut the door, and he got lit up. It's, it was, yeah, Willie won. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, okay. We've gone 50 minutes without saying it. I think this is what we're most excited for to talk about. Best on best. Back. Not, not only am I excited to talk about it because this is the coolest part of hockey. Like I arguably, not arguably, I like watching the Olympics more than the Stanley Cup, yeah. mostly because I've never seen the Leafs in the Stanley Cup. Um, but we also get a lot of content, the UFR boys, about best on best. Yeah, I mean, we love to talk we about it. We get a lot it, but, of heat. And it's every, yeah, we get a lot of hate. And it's every four years. Like it's such an event and we haven't had it since, was it 2014? It'll be 12 years. Which is, it's robbery for the fans. Yeah, we missed we actually missed getting Crosby in his prime. Yes, we did. We, well, we got... He was 27 last time. No. 23. Like, he was 23, I think, last time. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Either way, we missed out on some of Crosby's best years and McDavid's early part of his career. Like, those Canadian teams would have won all three gold medals, probably, in between that time when Carey Price was still good. Like, we missed out on so much. Then the Obviously, with the Americans are stacked now. I'm happy we have it back, but we missed out. We were robbed of 12 years of, of Canadian success potentially. Yeah, um, but uh, but this year, I'm sorry. Like I'll say it again. Every time I post this video, I get flamed I, I by like understand the why. hardcore Canadian fans who be like McKinnon and Crosby and McDavid on a team. I'm taking them. That's not insane, but like fair point. Yeah, but I don't know, man. These other teams are can give you a run. Like I have. Do you have all the projected rosters here? I have them. I can. Share I don't. Them with I don't. You. Why don't we go through them all and we'll talk about it. The only one that I'm not 100% certain on is this projected roster for Canada because it seems like it's missing some guys. But I have some, talk about it. some other names here. Like first line, there's McDavid, Marner, and Point. Like gr- gross. Second line, McKinnon, Crosby, Bedard. Gross. Wow. You think, but side point. Do you want to talk about that? I was, yes. It's not as you said his name. That's like the one question I needed to ask. Cool. So we have this like 2025 Forest Nation tournament before the Olympics. Do you think Bedard makes either one or both of those teams? Can you explain to me the nature of that other tournament? I'm a little confused about. Yeah, that. it's like it's it's like the World Cup, but with four teams. Like it's an NHL event. It's not like an IOC WHF event. It's an NHL event that's happening next winter, I think. And it's basically just going to be states in Canada, Sweden, and Finland. They playing, I think, their own mini series with each other, and then the winner of those series plays each other for the trophy. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Wow. So you're guaranteed Canada, USA. But no, if, if Bedard stays healthy, like 
absolute lock. First of all, he's good enough to be on this team. He was on pace for 40 goals and like 75 points before he got hurt. Second of all, it's not like the tournament is this year. It's going to be in 2026. That's two years away. He's going to be a 110-point player by then. And third of all, just because of how good you expect him to be, if he was only a 75-point player in that time, you stick him on your fourth line and you give him a little bit of experience. Yeah. But he is good enough... He's good enough now to play on the third line in two years. No doubt in my mind, he's good enough to play on their second line with the ceiling of being able to play on their first. You don't think he's a 100-point player in t- by 2026? I think he gets there, especially if they surround him with NHL players. And could you imagine him with that shot getting fed by McDavid? Like yeah. the best playmaker in the world with the best one of the best shooters in the world? He was on pace for 40 goals and like 75 points as you're playing with, with who? Andreas Athanasiu for a bit of Nick Foligno. Like yeah. you, you give this guy like a William Nylander, he's scoring 50. Yeah. He's good enough. That's to hard do. to argue. Connor Bedard 100% makes his team. Is there, because I, I saw that you wrote this in our notes. Was there any doubt in your mind that he wouldn't? I don't think there's actually, I don't think there's any doubt about 2026. I'm more yeah. wondering like 2025 in this, you know, fake tournament that they've got going on, this Four Nations tournament. Do you think he even makes it next year? Like yes. I, I think probably still good if he yes. comes back and is still the guy we saw this year yes i would think you'd be hard pressed not to put him there uh-huh. and just for the experience if nothing else because you know he's going to be on the olympic he's team a, he's, he's the face of your of, of your country yeah. moving forward um no for sure he okay. does. let's go back to the roster again. i just want to ask that question but anyways mcdavid marner point gross 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 mckinnon crosby Burdard. <laughs> again gross cubed uh next we got steven stamkos here i'm a little mm. confused they have they have steven stamkos jared mccann and carter verhage what yeah they're missing guys yeah. like like barzal and zach hyman who i think make that team instead Hyman's right making now. the team for sure and he's playing with mcdavid yeah so 100%. we'll go stamkos um stamkos matt barzal and zach hyman right now and then on their fourth line they have rnh they have mark stone yeah, um, Jordan Cairo, and then their Cairo. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of weird. And then, like, the reserve players right now are like PLD and, and uh, Sam Reinhart. I put Reinhart on the team immediately. Yeah, he has is, like forty goals. Is there anyone that we're missing here? I'm even looking at Jay Fresh's lineup. There's Where's really, Marshan? Marshan, ooh, Marshan is is a potential. I think guy. next year he'll be on the team. 2026. 20, I don't know because he'll be two years older, but he, he's gonna be playing with Crosby. So yeah, this team is good. And then, what, I, I honestly, I think. The strong, obviously, the strongest part of the Canadian team is their top end forward talent. They have three yeah. of the best players in the, in the three world. Three of the there. top ten. But a sneaky good part of their roster is their defense is gross. Like you look down the left side, they got Morrissey, Shea Theodore, Darnell Nurse, Thomas Shabbat. On the right side, they got Kale McCarr, Dougie Hamilton, Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard is phenomenal this year, and then Jacob Chikorin. Like this team, this team's good. And then I, I'm even. We're not even talking about like Petrangelo, who might be here. He should still be there, right? There's some other guys that I'm forgetting too. And then you know, in the the biggest question mark was in net. I mean, if Aiden Hill continues to play like he's playing, yeah, he can clearly play goal. He could clearly play goal well in front of a good team, which is what this team is going to be. Yeah, yeah. As long as they don't have like somebody who literally like is putting up an 800 save percentage it is a weak spot undoubtedly like you may not get your goalie saving you like winning games for you, you but you shouldn't need it no you don't need that like Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson are both projected to make this team that's funny and then third is Tristan Jari I mean this team yeah. is unbelievable and and their weakest link I mean one arguably should have won the con Smythe last year so I don't know yeah yeah I think the team is the top in town so good like hearing guys like Jordan Cairo and you know, on, on the fourth line doesn't, you know, excite me at, at all, actually. I think, like, I remember in, like, 2010 when the third line was Joe Thornton, Marlow, and Danny Heatley. Like, that that's a ridiculous third line. Yeah, these guys are getting two minutes. But, 
Yeah, exactly. I think the top end talent, they have like three of the top 10 players in the league, three of the top seven centers in the league, the best defensemen in the league. Yeah, like when you when you go McDavid, Marner, Point for 20, and then McKinnon, McKinnon, Crosby, Stone for 20, and then, oh, you got, sorry, you got to play Stamkos, Connor Berdard, Zach Hyman for five. Like this team, yeah. this team's gross. They're good. They're yeah. good. I think uh, like, and I, I also think like because of how old we are, we just we think of those 2010 and 14 teams with reverence because we were so young and they were like made memories for us. Yeah. But if we if if there were like 25 or 30 year olds who were watching that team and now this team, they're probably more comparable than we think. Yeah. No. But here here's the uh, I think I'm using this word right. I don't know. Let, let's let's juxt- juxtapose. Oh my god. Team Canada. Versus the biggest word we ever used. <laughs> it's close. On the show. It's close. Versus Team USA. You tell me. We just, we just, and follow along. We just gave you Team Canada's roster. You tell me if this roster is is better. Okay. Okay. First line: Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, Austin Matthews. <laughs> line okay. two: Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, Jason Robertson. Wow. Third line: Dylan Larkin, Tage Thompson, Kyle Connor. All nine of these guys have scored 50 almost in their career. On the fourth line, Matty Beneers, Clayton Keller, Johnny Gaudreau. We got Matt Boldy and Cole Caulfield as reserves. That's crazy. The, the top-end talent, I mean, Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes clearly are not McKinnon, McKinnon, Crosby, McDavid on the international scale. But, it, I mean, they can hold their own. Yeah, they can, I think I think top-end probably so gives to Canada. Yes. But I think the depth is like... All those, all four lines are like honestly almost equivalent level of good. Yes, like they're all all superstars. I would say like all like the top. Oh, I don't know. Let me have a peek over your computer. I would say like how many are there? Twelve. There's twelve guys there. I would say eight, eight, eight of them are superstars in this league. Yes, and like I don't know how many superstars are on Canada's team in comparison I, I think it's probably less but they're better for sure Aust- Austin Matthews we know he's Super won a sad. heart he's gonna he's gonna have three rocket Richards after this year Jack Hughes is gonna be a 120 yeah. point player Jack Eichel unbelievable yeah. cup winner Matthew Kachuk 110 yep. point player every year Jason Robertson scored 50 last year almost Cal Connor's a threat to score 50 every year Tate Thompson's a threat to score Super 50 star. every year Johnny Goudreau again was he was un- playing on a crap un- team unbelievable this team depth wise is better um, but I top agree. end talent will give to Canada. You look at their defense now. Yeah, it's insane. Quinn, it's insane. H- Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy. Wow, <laughs> wow. Um, Jacob Slavin, Jacob Slavin, Adam Fox. Gross. It's insane. And then you go. It falls off a little bit here. Zach Wierenski, Brett Pesci, and then Jake Sanderson, Brady Shea. Who cares? Your yeah. top four is like they have three of the, in my opinion, three of the top five defensemen on their team for sure, for sure. And then in net, you have Jake Ottinger, Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko. Who do you even start? No. I mean, Hellebuck. But like, you, you start Hellebuck because he's gonna win the Vesna this year. But on any given night, any of these three goalies are the best goalie in the league. Yeah, it's no, they're they're insane. Like people are maybe maybe the people in our TikTok comments because they're majority Canadian are just scared to admit that the states might be as good as them, but <laughs> as Canada, but they're just as good. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna because we're gonna get this in a TikTok clip genuinely and and be prepared to get flamed. I've been flamed twice for okay. this take. You can take Canada. If you had to, you know, put all your Monopoly money on Team Canada versus Team USA gold medal game, who are you taking? Wow, um, that's tricky. I think I honestly, I honestly do believe that Canada would win in a in a gold medal game against this American team. But 
I would not be shocked if this American team came out and beat this Canadian team because the American team is so much better than people are giving them credit for. They're deeper than Team Canada. The only reason I'm giving this edge to Team Canada is one, because I just think that their top-line talent is just a little bit better than the States. And also, just the way we know that Team Canada plays, when we have Sidney Crosby playing his potential last gold medal game ever, like I just feel like this team will find a way to rally and play for Crosby or just... They, they just seem to find that extra level that we just haven't seen out of the States in gold medal games recently. So I do think Canada wins. But would I be shocked if the States came out and knocked the Sox off Canada? No, I wouldn't because that team is on paper arguably better than Team Canada. I just would favor Canada because they've been there, done that, and the top-line talent is what it is. They have like the two best centers in the world on their team. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been quoted saying... Um the states are up there. I don't know why it's a hot take because it's not mutually exclusive to say Team Canada probably would win, probably, but, but even it's still, not like, a lock. It's not a lock. I got flamed for saying it wasn't a lock. You remember back in those crazy. days, like in 2014, like you said, it was if Canada doesn't win gold, it is in like an egregious failure. It's gone to the point now where it seems like the states are, you know, they're a one B, but it's to the point where if the states win, you're not going. You know, it's obviously a disappointment, but but it's not like a huge mm-hmm. upset. It's disappointing because your country didn't win, but yeah. it's not disappointing because you lost to a terrible team. Like, I, and I'm, I wonder if there's lines that have been that have come out on betting sites for this, but I, I would not be shocked if they had like equal odds because on paper they're equal teams. Yeah, no, no, for for sure. And uh, honestly, when I said that the states were would beat Canada in a one on one game, it's because. Um, Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson weren't this good. Now, now yeah. that you're telling me they got a guy who probably should have won the Conn last year and was 9:30 in the most important games of his life, I'm more comfortable taking Canada. And who's to say, you know, come next year that, like, if 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 Ottinger or if Demko or Hellebuck have a bad year, you have two elite goalies. If Aiden Hill gets hurt or has a bad year, like I really don't feel comfortable putting Logan Thompson or Tristan Jari or Tristan Jari or Jordan Binnington. Those yeah. are your those are your options. It's tough, and I really don't feel comfortable with any of them. Yeah, and I don't care how good the top end talent of Canada is. You give Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes five shots each in a game against Tristan Jari. Four of them are going in. Like yeah, they they are. And good luck scoring. You know, four goals against three potential Vesna winners who are going to play for the states. I mean. Yeah, this this is going to be really exciting. This is the best Team USA has ever been. And, you know, we're diehard Canadian fans. Obviously, we're Canadian. We want to see the Canadians win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Team Canada didn't win. No, me neither. Not and, at all. And, and then, and, Sorry, keep going. I was going to say, and as hard as it might be to say, it might even be better for hockey as a sport if Canada doesn't win, even though I'm like, would never want that to happen. No, it's the truth. It just... Canada didn't seem beatable for a long time, and, and now they do. And that's not because they've gotten worse. Yeah. I think it's just because these countries have become exponentially better. For sure. And then, like, we move on, and you look at other... Oops, sorry. Uh-huh. That's my that's my ringtone. Just the, just the Any, hockey, bud. Anyways, when we... You, you go to, like, Team Sweden now. Let's just go through them. This Team Sweden team is no slouch either. Stacked. Team Sweden is now what the States used to be, where, like, if, if this team won, you'd go, wow, I'm not 100% surprised, but this is an upset. Like, their, their top-end talent's unbelievable. Elias Patterson, William Nylander, Gabriel Landeskog. Unbelievable. Yeah, Landeskog will be back. That's right. Unbelievable. That's huge. Line. Next, we got Mika Zibanejad, Jesper Bratt, Philip Forsberg. 
pretty good, good to second me. line. Pretty good second line. It falls off a cliff here. Nicholas Backstrom, Lucas Raymond, Leo Carlson. And then we got Eric Sinek, Elias Lindholm, and Adrian Kempe. I would probably Oh, that's put, a third line. Yeah, that's that's their third line. Like three pretty good lines. I mean, yeah, very good. And then their, their defense is where they have always shined. I mean, we yeah. got Victor Hedman, Rasmus Dahlin, Hampus Lindholm, Eric Carlson, Matthias Ekholm, Rasmus Anderson. I mean, like... Pretty good. Arguably the best decor. And they're like they all complement each other very well. Yes, I completely agreed. Um and then I mean, in net they're still they're still I mean Allmark is still Allmark. The rest of their goalies are meh. Yeah, but, but but if Allmark plays three quarters of his Vesna self, I yeah, mean you're this, good. This team is good. Like this is gonna be a really fun tournament. Well well do you have much to say about this team or should I read you Team Finland? Yeah, let's move over to Team Finland because those they're they're rivals. So we can just talk about them one one after the other. Team Finland's sneaky good. Alexander Barkov, Miko Rantanen, and Rupe Hints. Yep. Sebastian Aho, Patrick Line, uh Tivo Teravainen. Not bad. And then it gets yeah. worse. Lundell, Lekanin, Kataniemi, then Michelli, Parson and Capocacco, and then Eli Tolvanen is the yeah. last guy. You know, that team is admittedly the fourth best team that we've talked about. But but <laughs> In international hockey, this team wins medals. Like, yes, I think w- they had a stretch of, in the junior tournaments in particular, where they they were winning a medals at like literally every single one for like I don't know a two or a three year stretch. It's I, I don't know how anything to compare to like in terms of other sports, um, but they have like an it's weird because especially in hockey you don't necessarily think of teams having an identity because they don't play together that often, but this team. They have an identity. They play really, really solid defensive hockey, and they have guys who can burn you going forward, and they all buy into it, and they all want to win. Like They're the smallest country out of like the big five, if you want to call it, in terms of hockey. Um, so that's why they produce the least amount of like pure talent. But they have an identity, and they stick to it, and they just win medals. Like For sure. This, this is one of the teams who, if they are going to pull off an upset, need their top-end talent to be great. Yeah. But Miko Rantanen, Barkov, and Rupe Hintz <laughs> arguably yeah, one of the you. best lines in this tournament. You got Aho, Line, Teravainen. I mean, Line's taking a few steps back, but Sebastian yeah. Aho, Sebastian Aho, this team gets on the power play three or four games. They can, sorry, three or four times a game, they can do some damage. Yeah. And they're not going to give you much going on, on defense. Like, I don't, their defense, like, again, on paper doesn't jump out at you, but it's the structure that they play that kills you. And, yeah. and they've done it. They've beat Canada and the World Juniors multiple times now because of that. For sure. So, pretty comfortably, we're going Finland. Finland, Sweden will marginally go the States and then Canada as depth chart. Yeah, I think Canada should go into the tournament as favorites, but it's not like it's not like World Juniors when Carey Price was there where like they didn't let in a single goal. Like yeah. they're gonna have to work their ass off to win and and they might not. It's really possible. I agree. I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. This is cool. I really hope like we, when you got here before we started recording, you were like, ah, I don't know, I'm still not convinced. Like that can happen. I would be really disappointed if it came out that they're not going anymore. Because like, if the only news that ended up being true was that they have this four nations tournament, I'd be upset because, like, that's not a real thing, to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's a great primer for what we think is the real show now. It's like one of these toxic mindsets you need to have though. When you really want something to happen, you have to have zero expectations in case like yeah. it falls through. I, I'm pretty sure there's always been talks about. Yeah, the, the big boys coming back to this tournament every year. Insurance is what falls through. I mean, you you told me this. That's, uh, there's that's a, what it's been reported that like the IOC or the IIHF are gonna somehow pay for the insurance, which is until it's in writing. Yeah. I, I just can't because my I can't get my hopes up. This is the like 
we still talk about it today, the most iconic moment in my life watching hockey, and this is partly because the Leafs have been so bad, <laughs> it's seeing Sidney Crosby score the goal, score the golden goal. goal, goal. Right? Like they still have an exhibit in the Hockey Hall of Fame yeah. about that this many years later. Like, There's a reason for that. Um, hopefully, like it's kind of crazy. Kids who are 13 have never seen best on best hockey. I know. And they're going to graduate elementary school and being grade nine which, during being grade nine or ten by the time this tournament comes like which, that's insane which, which is sad and i remember was it were we in high school were, high school in 2014 and we were watching in like our was, careers class we had in our pencil case talk about bringing bringing people together there'd be some teachers we won't name them that didn't want to watch them together <laughs> I don't think so she's we, listening <laughs> so we would watch them on our pencil case um and then there were other you know other yeah. other teachers who would just put it on the projector and we would get hyped it would those are the best memories you have especially watching it like with your boys at home or something nothing beats best on best international hockey because it's one of the few times team um, fans of different teams all come together and support the same it's one true. like uh, so many of your boys cheer for teams that aren't the Leafs. like now you're all cheering for the same team it's sick it's really cool man it's a cool moment cool memory hopefully they make good memories but regardless to have it back like if you if you if you were to ask me, would you rather have it back in Canada lose or like not have it? I would say have it back in Canada loses. Like it's that much, it's that important. Would you would you rather have a one hundred percent chance of best on best returning or a twenty five percent chance of the Leafs going to the conference final? Oh, conference finals! Are you giving me? That's it. And then they and then from there, sorry, the Leafs in the conference final for sure. And then you see oh. what happens, knowing how bad the Leafs are this year Sheesh. and how good every other team is. You're asking if I'd rather have like best on best or the Leafs make the conference finals? Would you rather have best on best or would you rather see the Leafs lose in five to like the Bruins in the conference final? Oh, man. that's. I don't want to be selfish because I know there are a lot of non-Leaf Canadian, like a, non, a lot of non-Leafs fans that are Canadian. But I'm gonna be selfish. I want to see the <laughs> I want to see the Leafs in the conference finals. I've seen Canada win a gold. I've not seen the Leafs win. A, more than one round of my entire lifetime. It's tough. It's tough. I, okay, I was alive in 2004, but I didn't even know one plus one was. So you it doesn't matter. You weren't conscious in 2004. Yeah. Like I was six. Give me a break. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, um, yeah I'm gonna be selfish. I want to see the Leafs. <laughs> see you later, Canada. Like I could, I could be okay never seeing Canada play again if the Leafs win a cup. I don't know about. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's tough, right? It's tough. When you get, take it to that level. I'd marginally take the Leafs too. Yeah, I, yeah. So I'm sorry if I'm being selfish. Told like the. 10 to 15 year olds who have never seen it but sorry guys uh, I need to see the Leafs win a cup before our time is up here and we're at 25 we're not that old but at this rate 26 would we, I'm getting old you're 26 would we be shocked if we went our entire lives without seeing it no, no. so uh, if I can guarantee it I'll, I'll bite your hand off for that <laughs> we're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode Man About Town Located in North York, Ontario, Manabout Town is ready to support you with all of your pregame luxury wear. Ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties, Manabout Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabout Town today or find them on Instagram at manabouttown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. So we're going to, we'll, we'll each rip off our, we'll go Norris, Vesna, Hart, Anyone? Anything else? And then um, cup, cup. And cup. Okay, we'll start. We'll start off. I think you know if you've been a fan of us, I think you'll know what our uh, what our answers are. But who's your cup winner? Quickly, my cup team. Um, it's a team that hasn't lost in a month and a half. Edmonton Oilers. I said at the beginning of the year. I even said it when they were in the midst of sucking. I'm 
really I'm fully dedicated to the Oilers bandwagon this year. You have the best player in the world who is still the best player in the world, but playing incredibly good defensively. Mm -hmm. This team has bought into a new system. They have a new identity. I don't think they're the same old Oilers that we're used to. I think they're different. And when you have the best player in the world playing defense and playing with a chip on his shoulder and playing more motivated than he's ever been, I think that's a trend you don't want to run into. And I think they... I think they go. I think they win the cup. I do. One of the biggest things about the Edmonton Oilers this year is that they've always been knocked for being bad defensively. You put it well, McDavid, Evan Bouchard. They're playing extremely well yeah. on the right side of the puck without sacrificing yeah. their offense. They're just buying. They're buying in now. Like you're, everyone's capable of playing good defense if you care enough. Yeah. And I think they've finally got to that point. When you go two and fifteen to start a season, like you have no choice but to change the way you play. And obviously, it's working. I, I agree. But I don't know how you can take any team to win a Stanley Cup other than the Colorado Avalanche this okay. year. I don't think it's close. Like, when this team is motivated, they are unstoppable. I've said this so many times. I remember when they steamrolled that cup. What was it, two years ago? It was mm -hmm. Yeah, it was two years ago. That was coming off the year where McKinnon gave that, like, infamous infamous playoff conference post-game speech when they got knocked out by Vegas saying we haven't done blank so far. They come on next year and just destroy the playoffs. Nobody took them to seven. Uh, last year, they got hammered by the Kraken. I mean, not hammered, but we'll call it a hammering because the Kraken should have had no business winning that series. Yeah. They got embarrassed. I think, you know, the Stan Stanley Cup hangover is obviously over seeing the way McKinnon and McCarr are playing. This team's out for a vengeance. Like I just said, McKinnon and McCarr are probably going to win the Hart and the Norris, respectively. Rantanen is having a pro-typical 55-goal Rantanen year. Um, I mean, as Sheldon Keith put it, watching those guys mm. play is a level above the NHL. Then you throw in their depth. Like I already gave you, like, there's a potential Norris and Hart winner on this team yeah. who we know have won a Stanley Cup. And then depth-wise, you throw in, like, Byram, Taves, and Nachushkin, like, this isn't really fair. I don't think a single team takes them to seven. I don't care if Edmonton plays them and they go they go 65-0 and 0 for the rest of the year. No team is taking them to seven. They are comfortably winning the cup, in my opinion. What if they don't get a second-line center? Yeah, fine. Still? One team takes them to seven, if that makes you feel You still better. think they win the cup, even uh, if yeah. they don't? Even if Lars Eller is their second-line center? Yeah, there's only one thing that stops this team from winning a cup, and it's injuries, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. On the back of that, like, who's who is your heart favorite, then? Before the season started, yeah. um, and we didn't post TikToks about this, so people people might not believe the receipts. My preseason pick was McKinnon, just because we knew he was like a top three player in the NHL. He's one of these guys that has you know always been touted as him. Um, he has a Stanley Cup under his belt, but as we noted, he really didn't have any like individual trophies. He's never had a Hart, never had a Richard, obviously never had a Selkie. I thought this year would be the year that he pops off, especially because there was a hangover last year, and we know that when McKinnon loses, he gets he, he sees red and he gets very mm -hmm. angry. Um, all of those things, I, I think, combining with the fact that there is obvious voter fatigue when you're voting for the Hart and the fact that McKinnon's never won anything, I thought if he had a year that was like 90% of McDavid's year, he would have won the Hart just because he never had it. McDavid seems like he's won it a million years in a row. And it seems like that's what's happening right now. I think McKinnon is one point behind Kucherov for the league lead. I think he's tied for, I think he's, sorry, he's comfortably first in assists, tied ninth in goals. Uh, winning the Stanley Cup helps too. Um, I still, I'm going to stick with my preseason pick and say that, um, unless Austin Matthews scores 70, I was going to ask you that Nathan McKinnon wins the heart. If Austin Matthews scores 70, you give it to him. Cause no one's done it since McGillney and Solani. I think it yeah. was like 93. It's a long time ago. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's my yeah, condition. No. 
I agree. My prediction's the same. I think McKinnon is going to do it. Like he's just on another level this season, and it helps that McDavid, although playing well, is not you know putting up three points a game. So he's not really in the conversation right now. Yeah, I I don't know. Like if Matthews wins it, if Matthews scores seventy, and the Leafs are just like still not looking great, like. I don't know. I don't know if he gets it, even though 70 is ridiculous. And he was given it when he scored 60 because he got 60. So if, if McKinnon puts up 125 points, let's say 45 goals and whatever the difference in assists is, Matthews Matthews puts up 71 goals, 100 and, 105 points. Yeah. And they lose in the first round and the Canucks win the cup. Sorry. But they, win but the they cup. vote after. They vote, they vote before ah, the playoffs it, starts. Before still, the playoffs starts. Oh, okay, yeah. fine. They vote before the playoffs starts. Who do you think, who do you think wins? Who, who would be your... Heart vote. Uh, I honestly still think it would be Nate. Like he's, uh, I don't know. Seventy goals is crazy. I just, I feel like there would, there was no backlash. There wasn't much backlash when Matthews won it when he scored sixty. I feel like somehow there would be backlash if he scored seventy and still won it, just because Nate has been that good. He's gonna put up that many more points than Matthews. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think if. I think if Austin Matthews scores 70, you need to give it to him. I just okay. think we you've said it time and time again, like goal scoring is the hardest yep. thing to do in the NHL. No one scored no one scored 70 in a very long time. Matthews scoring 60 last year was celebrated, sorry, two years ago, two years ago. was really celebrated. This guy scores, scores 70. It's something historic. It'll also mean he'll put up probably 110 points. It'll get tough, though, if McKinnon puts like 135 points yeah. up. Right then, I think I think it's a coin flip. I think just because no one scored seventy in twenty something years mm-hmm. and people put up one thirty every yeah. year, yeah. it's got it's got to be awesome. That's true. It would be like so novel for them to do that. And honestly, like if we're being serious, did you watch you watch the skills competition yesterday? Right. I think Nikita Kucherov's All Star Skills Competition performance takes him out of the hard conversation. Really? For me. <laughs> That's like, harsh. Like he, got he pisses me off. It's good. No. People spend like hundreds of dollars to go watch that, and you're gonna like have a pleasure skate because why? Because you think you're too sick. Like, give me a break. Like, yeah. I, I, oh my god, if we could swear on this, I would be. Keep I would it, be dropping every swear word on, under the sun because he pissed me off yesterday. Keep it PG, but I I, I agree. Kucherov like screams one of these guys who just thinks he's him. He thinks he's so sick. Like, give, give me a break. Like, you can, actually can't be bothered. Would you rather be in, if you rather be in Florida or if you rather be in like, the Bahamas, then take your suspension. Like, <laughs> if you you have a, I think you have an obligation as a star player to help grow the game. And he was terrible yesterday. Of course you do. Like, yeah. this is this is obviously for some reason a hot take when we when we think about sports in general. But at the end of the day, hockey players are entertainers by nature. Like, they're. If, Only if, reason he makes nine million dollars. People don't want to watch them. Hockey players don't make money. Like you don't provide a service to the economy because mm-hmm. you can put a puck in the net. The service you provide is your ability to generate revenue. And if you like, you take that for granted and you don't try. I mean, I think you have. Yeah. You know, there, there there's a valid argument for people being mad at you. So it was so disappointing. And you know what the funny part is? The Leafs are somehow going to end up playing Tampa. I don't know how they're going to end up playing Tampa, but they are. Yes. And when Kucherov drops a hat trick in Scotia Bank and then celebrates like a like an ass he's gonna end up being the one who gets the last laugh because you know it's gonna happen but i was just so disappointed with his effort yesterday yeah i mean he thinks he's him and he knows he's him he is him if you if you want to do a draft for like the least first tampa in the playoffs i mean i think everybody's taking kudrov with the first pick over matthews considering how good kudrov is in the playoffs in the year yeah. he's having um but again it doesn't yeah. give you the right to you no. know take stuff for granted i agree that's that was my issue with it but I agree. Anyway, but let's we, go back to our trophies. We, we digress. We'll have the same yeah. one here. Who do you take for the Vesna? 
for the Vesna. Yeah, I think it's it's Connor Hellebuck. I mean, yes, this Winnipeg Jets team has been really, really good in front of him. Um, you know, Shifley's having a good year after a lot of people, including myself, were doubting him. Additions of Velarde, Connor, you name it. Connor's been there the whole time, but you know, Hellebuck leads the league in pretty much every goaltending category. He's stood on his head. He's earned that contract. He's probably underpaid now, even though he just got a big payday. Um, yeah, this guy's the best goalie in the league this year. He's usually one of the best three goalies in the league every year. I think he wins his, what, second or third Vesna this year. Yeah. I think there's really no question other than Thatcher Demko, but I think Hellebuck runs away with it. He's just been that good, and he's played that many games. Um, best goalie in the league. I, I think the biggest thing to take away from this Vesna rate, you're right, it's going to be Hellebuck if he stays healthy. Is It's so weird that... Fazzy, Shesty, and Sorokin, like one of them aren't in the conversation. It's true. It seems like it's been the first time in like seven or eight years that one of those guys isn't in yeah, the race. That's a good point. And like on a side note, what has happened to Shesterkin, man? Like last year was very mediocre. This year he's very mid again on a not so good team. This year I think he's like 18, 11, and 0 in, in 30 games. I mean, a lot of that is a team stat. He's got a 284 and a save percentage of 902. Like yeah. that starting goalie. Eh, enough. Yeah. But we're, we're talking about a guy who statistically had the best goalie season of all time and was robbed of a heart because Austin Matthews scored 60, right? Like yeah. He would have won the heart in any other year. Like, you you don't expect a guy to catch lightning in a bottle that quickly and then just and fall to, off the And to that of degree. Earth. Yeah, like, he, we, we've never seen and we never will see in our lifetime a goalie season like that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. How do you fall off the face of the earth like he's doing now? Like he, like the 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 stats he has now, he's a fringe starting goalie on an yeah. unbelievable team. Yeah, a nine oh two, you're like probably just below league average. Like you're not even above league average. Like, does he come back? Is this is this him? Did he catch lightning know. in a bottle? Did like, he get paid recently though too? He, he like, did. Yeah, he did. So they're stuck with him. What do you would, stuck with him? Maybe like a little bit of an over like an overstatement. But do you think he comes still, back? I don't know. It's been two seasons of really good hockey and then two seasons of meh hockey. Like, we don't know really what he is. Yeah. Um, maybe he's somewhere in between that, but somewhere in between that's not a Vesna winner. Like, I don't know if he wins a Vesna the rest of his career. Like, we don't know what he is. No, I, I agree. It's kind of crazy. There was a point where it was like Vazzy, 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 Vazzy. Shesterkin comes out of nowhere. Sorokin comes out of yeah. nowhere for a good two years. And now all three of them are, and Vazzy's probably the best yeah. out of the three again. Yeah, I would say Vazzy. Vazzy and Sorokin for sure. Like, Sorokin's kind of in this year. Has he been the kind yeah. of man? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Two years ago or last, even last year, we would have said if the country for country, Russia had the best goalies. Now it's not even a question that it's the States. States. Yeah. States are running away with the goal. They're going to be running away. Like, I know we just had the conversation about best on best, but I think we're like 10 to 15 years away. If even that from the States being actually the best team. Yes. Because they just have more money, more people, and they're, yeah, more funding. Like they, they just have the infrastructure and the population to be the best at any sport, really, that and, they want to be. And that's exactly it. The only thing that was stopping them from being the best is the fact that hockey was just is just so popular in Canada and just so not popular in yeah. the states. But that's changing. Yeah, we're, ev- we're even seeing now a lot of players take the NCAA route. Yeah, I oh, would. Yeah. T- I would too yeah. if I was a budding superstar. Yeah, I'm. Hockey is hockey has historically been Canada's game. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. In twenty years, the states are going to be the powerhouse, which is so sad. And yeah. like ho- registration numbers in Canada for hockey are actually falling. Yep. Like in, hockey is not what it used to be in Canada. I agree. Um, but don't put that on TikTok because we'll uh, we'll get shadow banned by all of our fans. Yeah. <laughs> all the Canadian bots are going to come after us. Um, um, so the Hart Trophy, I think, is the closest race we've talked about so far, just because. 
Matthews can score 70. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of like talent for talent, shot for shot, I think the Norris is the closest one. It's a one. crazy one. It's a two-horse race. Who's who's the one you think that crosses the finish line? I think narrative matters a lot. And I think if Quinn Hughes in his first season as captain carries his team to a president's trophy and really helps to carry them into relevancy for the first time in, in a handful of years since they started their rebuild, I, I think it's his to lose. Um, overall, I do think Kale McCarr is a better defenseman. And if you made me draft the best defenseman for my team, I would want McCarr hands down. I just think sometimes players have these types of seasons that are worthy of a trophy. And I think Hughes is having one. He's been terrific. Um, I, I think he ends up winning the Norris. That, that's a that's a really good a really good take. I'll I'll be quick. I, I'll just take the other side for the sake of it. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, there's voter fatigue. Narrative matters. Quinn Hughes is having a phenomenal year. Kale McCarr is very quietly on pace for a hundred point season that's again. That's insane. There's been only one guy to put up a hundred points in a very long time. It was Carlson last year. Yeah. The year before it was um remember Yossi had like ninety five. was close. We didn't get there. Yeah. Every single year McCarr is on pace for a hundred and then gets hurt. Happened again this year too. I mean McCarr McCarr won the Conn Smythe the year that they won yeah, they won it all. You can true. you can make a very valid argument that he's the most important player to that team. If they both stay healthy for the remainder of the season and narrative didn't matter, obviously there's a huge vacuum, I would take Kale McCarr because you're right, he is the better defenseman. Um but just it's the perfect storm what's happening in Vancouver. Yeah, I agree. Like every like McCarr's still better on in Hughes's best season. Yes. But and I, I think I think McCarr is having marginally a better season than if Quinn he was Hughes. if he stayed healthy like he, he, it might be his to lose yeah i i agree i agree i think i think this year mccarr is having the best season of a defenseman but i think Quinn Hughes is going to win the north yeah which is something that it's not like we haven't seen that before um yeah especially in being in a i don't know how much market comes into play but it's narrative they get a lot more airtime especially in canada than the than the abs do so i think he'll ultimately end up winning it i think that's the last trophy that we want to talk about i think yeah. we ended up taking a lot longer with that segment than we wanted to we actually had a couple of good conversations in there it was it was good really quickly so this is being filmed on saturday it will be released on monday so by the time these um what i'm gonna ask steph now it's oh. gonna be out so we'll see if he's right what team wins the all-star game and who is your all-star game mvp um i want to go for a team who like didn't draft all their guys because i feel like that make, can make them a little bit complacent okay so i'm gonna pick the competitive freaks, McKinnon, Crosby, and you add Makar in there, I think that team wins. I don't actually know how good they are on paper. I think they drafted guys like Konechny and Wilson. There's like They don't have the best team on paper, but I just feel like because Nate and McKinnon are both freaks, that they may be the most likely to try hard. Um, and then I'll give uh, I'll give Makar MVP because he's the only defenseman on that team, I think, so he's going to be playing the entire game. I think I think that team wins it. And I think he gets MVP. So Team Cole Harbor is what I'm here. Team Cole Harbor, yes, okay. correct. I'll uh, I'll just say I'll go. Ma- I'll double down. Matthews, Matthews. I'll just be funny. Okay, Team Matthews, Matthews MVP. We'll see how it goes. Um, but until then, yeah, we'll be filming again in two weeks. Two weeks. Trade deadline will be out there. I'm sure there'll be more trades that have happened. Yeah, tr- I think the trade deadline is like March eighth, I think. Yeah. And we're on like track to actually record that weekend. So. Perfect. If all things line up, we'll be in for a couple of good episodes, hopefully leading up to the deadline and then playoffs are around the corner and then play out. Like, it's crazy how fast <laughs> it moves. Well, uh, so, yeah, thank you for listening and we'll, uh, we'll see everyone in a few weeks. Yeah. See you later. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review podcast. We'll see you all next week.